The tropics are teeming with life. That means there's an abundance of resources for you and your brood. But it also means that there's plenty of competition looking to eat your food or you. Protecting yourself can mean developing one of several tactics. You could focus on defense, you could try to blend in, or you could try to go for both at once. The thorn bug has done just that. But with great tools, the next thing is to perfect their application in real life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a bug with a prickly personality. But more on that later. Very oh, prickly. also, thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song to your more of Cassie's music. Please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. Yes, please do. It's all good stuff. But yes, very prickly personality. <laughs> so we're talking about the thorn bug, in case you didn't gather that from the episode title you clicked on i'll i'll just i'll just end the suspense here thorn bug it, it's also in this week it's in the uh, intro oh yeah usually i usually put it in my intros too it's good to do that for seo <laughs> Every, everything's for seo yeah it really is how come you didn't record an episode this week seo <laughs> It's a good excuse. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. understand SEO. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's the algorithm just doesn't you know whatever. But uh, so, but it's called the thorn bug. But we're gonna call it here. The sharp dresser, and prickle Pete. Nice. So I got prickle Pete. Just sounded funny in my in my brain. So put it down. But sharp dresser <laughs> was real, really where the where the cleverness came in. Thorn Oaken Eater. Thorn Oaken Eater. Yeah. Yeah. They're related to <laughs> shield bugs. So oh. Thorn Oaken Shield Bug. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so let's taxonomize this sharp boy. The uh, kingdom is the one that you know, love, and are in. And that one is Animalia. Not the kingdom of the Netherlands. Although there are animalias in the Netherlands. Hmm. Uh, the phylum is Arthropoda. The class is Insecta. And the order is Hemiptera, which is true bugs. Nice. And I did a little bit more digging into like true bugs. And this whole time I thought that like beetles and stuff were true bugs. And that is not the case. A specific type of bug. Right, with it has to have like wings, like a wing shell, right? And it has to have a shape on its back. N well, no, like, um, like ladybugs are not bugs, like, no, be really? no beetle is a bug, it's a different, completely different order. So, only hemiptera. So, these are like tree hoppers, cicadas, um, thorn bugs, obviously. So, that's actually like not, not as wide spanning as I thought. Hmm. Um, sub the suborder is here we go, Alkenorinka, Alkenorinka. Yep. N nice. There's a lot of H's and they don't they they don't pull a lot of weight here. Um, 
the uh, infra order is cicadomorpha, which includes cicadas. Uh, the family is Membracidae. Uh, the genus is Umbonia, which is sounds like a country for sure, a made-up country that has dragons and stuff. It sounds like a lyric in the in the jungle song. Like the the lion sleeps tonight song? Yeah. Um, umbonia, umbonia, umbonia. Um. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking of like I like like Shrek would go to the land of Umbonia to find the king or oh. something like that. Just made up made up name. Uh the species is uh Crassicornis, which is uh, means if you're born between September and December, you're a Crassicorn. Uh. And you are um gregarious and also a thorn bug if you happen to be born there. <laughs> um so yes, the binomial nomenclature is Umbonia Crassicornis. Which Sweet. is sweet. That's fun to say. It a, is. A lot more fun to say than Alcanorinca. That one doesn't roll off the tongue at all. <laughs> but since we're in the business of naming things, cue the music. It's time for my favorite part of the show, Critter Groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? Or what is the term of entry? Or what is the collective noun? I could not find one for thorn bugs. I cannot find one for the species, genus, family, infraorder, suborder, just bugs, basically. Basically insects. So we're going to go with insects because it's just, there's just so many of them. There's and no group of bugs, like true bugs? There's no collective noun that I could find for just true bugs. Uh, there are collective nouns for members of... No, like cicadas. True. Yeah, there's like one for cicadas, but we've already done cicadas. So it's like, I don't know. We're going to go with insects because there are collective nouns for just insects in general. And one of them I'm about to read to you, and then three of them are not are correct. They're lies. Or words I just made up or pulled from somewhere else. All words are made up according to Thor. If you saw a group of insects, which I'm sure you've seen many times, would you call that A, a rabble of insects, B, a column of insects, C, a beam of insects, or D, a cannonade of insects? <laughs> a cannonade? What was the first one? Rabble. I'm going to go with a column of insects, final answer. That is ostensibly incorrect. The answer was rabble. But, but I'm there's a column of something. I'm sure there are insects that are a column somewhere. But, like, it's, it's not something that you would use to describe insects in general. Like gotcha. If, if there was just a bunch of different kinds of insects together, you wouldn't call it a column. you call it a rabble. But I'm sure that, like, I don't know, gnats or something are a column. But, yes, it's a rabble of insects. So, let's talk about what this guy looks like. Oh, you, you know, a term of venery is also called a venereal name. That is, I don't like that. I don't like it either. I don't, I don't like it. I wish you hadn't, I wish that wasn't or, in or my venereal? mind. venereal? Maybe venereal. Maybe that's a better way to pronounce that. Sure. <laughs> yes. Venereal. So real. Nope. I guess, I guess it makes sense, a term of venery. 
And then if you turn that into um, an adjective, venery. But I don't want to. <laughs> it's like when you find out that uh, the science the science word for chewing is to masticate. Yep. And you're like, nope, no, no, it's not. I refuse <laughs> to have that. To 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 have that. We're gonna say chewing on the highest scientific level there is. But let's talk about what the thorn bug looks like. And you, it's, it looks like a thorn. (laughs) (laughs) They they ain't called thorn bugs for nothing. Although a lot of the animals we do are called things for basically nothing. Um, This is, this thorn bug is a true bug and true to its name. So basically, if you're uh, painting a, a mental picture, start with the typical oblong cicada shape ish with those folded clear clear wings uh going along the back uh they have green heads green or maybe a dull yellow uh, with large bright red eyes and six legs coming out from underneath the body and you guess it the defining characteristic is the thorn <laughs> it there's a it's called the the pronotal horn which the pron- pronotus uh, is the is is kind of like a, a hard shell just underneath the head of like say a cockroach or something like that before the wings, um, above the wings but below the head. And for the thorn bug, that extends out into from the crown of its head all the way up. Uh, it curves slightly backward like a like a crashing wave or a, a shark's fin and uh, has a sharp reddish tip at the end and then it crests back down to the end of the abdomen so it spans its entire body and uh, makes it like look really top heavy and the reason it looks like that it goes without saying is that the goal is to look as much like a thorn as possible which would understandably deter predators mostly it deters birds that would prey on it uh, because not only would they if they assumed that they were uh, thorns not bother them at all but even if they knew that they were tasty morsels there's they're still uh, spiny they still have the prickly personalities hard to eat yeah they would their prickly personality would caused them to hurl insults at the birds until they were so discouraged that they left. <laughs> and, okay, I'll, I'll talk about this in a bit. Okay. Please continue. But I guess since I since they're supposed to look like thorns and everybody knows how big a thorn is, then I, I'm, I'm thinking, just hear me out here, that we're good on the measure up. It's funny you should say that because there's a particular thorn-related part of measure up but we can't skip it we owe it to the people because it is the official listeners favorite part of the show 
the part of the show that's presented when we present the animal size and dimensions and relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Unfortunately, we do not have a measure up intro this week, which means we get to hear from an animal and Carlos has to guess what it is. Mm, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Lava. So, uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Oh my. <laughs> Is that <laughs> a guy to get a football game? Or is that A, a gibbon, B, a lemur, C, a marmot, or D, a baboon? Ooh, I thought I knew the answer until you said baboon. I'm going to have to go with gibbon, though. That's about all. I. It's about as, uh, like, they just make the weirdest sounds. And I don't know what a baboon sounds like outside, of, outside of saying a sampasana squash banana all the time. Oh. <laughs> so, yes, my final, final answer. answer is A, a gibbon. That is correct. It's yes. a gibbon. I, I always throw in, I think I've thrown in a marmot before because it's like, it's a type of monkey that it's like, who knows what that is? <laughs> it's a new world monkey, though, uh, I think. And then a baboon. Yeah baboons could make a lot of different sounds you'd think i knew it was an ape let's talk length they're about 10 millimeters or 0.39 inches how many thorn bugs go into the into the length of the average or the the upper end of average thorn from a honey locust tree i'm guessing that that's the biggest thorn ever i typed in biggest thorn ever this came up i did not find definitively that there is no larger thorn uh, but here's a hint. The tree is a deciduous tree that's native to North America, especially states around the Mississippi River. Five? Five. Yes. Five thorn bugs? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like, it's like, it's a little less than half an inch. No, I'll go, I'll just say ten. Ten thorn bugs? Yeah, that's like a, that'd be a big thorn. Yep, 10. 10 thorn bugs, final answer. Yep. That is exactly right. Is it really? Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Thorns can be between 3 and 10 centimeters. No way. Or 1.2 to 3.9 inches long. What are the odds of that? It's 0.39 inches long for a bu- for the bugs and 3.9 inches for the longest long thorn. for the thorn so lucky power of 10 uh wow yeah yeah no i mean i'm not lucky it's just because i my brain is just so big <laughs> i was able to deduce that with um, logic and understanding about the world around me well, speaking of the power of 10, let's talk about egg cl- cluster sizes. Oh, so egg cluster. That's egg, one of that's one of like the worst. Clutch. That's one of the worst words in the English language, I think. See, I think cloister is worse because it's it's a it's, mix of cl- moist and cluster, but it's but it doesn't mean that. 
No, it doesn't mean there, there's a there's a semantic problem with cluster as well because it is nasty. In, really. in some it, cases, you could have a cluster of like grapes and stuff. That's not a yeah. problem, but like in the most part, it's like just the like bunches of eggs and stuff. Anyway, is it setting off your what is that phobia of holes? Oh, uh, like tratophobia or something like that. Yeah. Uh, no, because that's I guess if they're clustered together, that's the part that's kind of like. It's not a phobia. It's just like, ugh. Like that's an just, aversion. It's just like, yeah, it's an aversion. It's like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't know why, but I just don't. <laughs> it's like anything that looks like a bunch of like bees could fly out of it. Yeah. Anyway, continue with your egg cluster question. Females lay about a hundred eggs at a time. How many thornbug egg clusters go into the largest group of passenger pigeons ever recorded? Largest group? Yeah. Like in flight at the same time or in the same coop? Or yeah, flocking. The largest flock, I guess. Attending the same university? Yeah. Uh, here's a hint. Passenger pigeons are now extinct, an extinct species of American pigeons that were once so numerous in, in the American skies that a flock could take hours to pass overhead. In fact, the name passenger pigeon comes from the French, which means to pass over or to pass by. Uh, so in 1866, a gathering was recorded as being a mile wide and 300 miles long. That helps uh, tremendously. Hunting, deforestation, and other variables are said to have driven the bird to extinction. Can you, can you imagine that? 1866, there were a 300-mile-long flock, and today there are none. Yeah, you got to hunt them a lot for a long time to get rid of all of them. I wonder if the Silent Spring, like that thing that was killing egg, that, that like pesticide that was uh, thinning eggs and killing killing off birds by the hundreds was uh, partially responsible. But it's widely attributed to overhunting. But that's a lot. Hunt a bird like of that numerous to extinction? Jeez. But uh, that's also not the largest animal group of any uh, of all. Do you know what the largest, what animal groups itself in the largest groups is? Is it like fruit bats? Good guess. Fruit bats. There are like caves of millions of bats. But no. Um, krill? That's a that's a good guess too. There we, I, in terms of like unrecorded, I bet there might be really large krill groups. But in terms of recorded, it's locust. A plague of locusts. Yep. That's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of women. It's a lot. I guess the answer is trees, but whatever. (laughs) Organisms. Um, All right. You helped me out a lot with a three hundred mile long, one mile wide column of these guys flying overhead. Although, just just means I'm in I'm in the astronomical numbers, (laughs) because I was gonna say I don't know I I my brain automatically put in messenger pigeon. And so I was thinking of like somebody's single coop of messenger pigeons. So I was going to say like 150, but you uh, clearly 
I was mistaken. Um, so I'm going to go with a billion. Nope, that's not enough. No, no wait, that's way too much. Um, I'm going to say 30 million. Um, and then let's just knock two zeros off of that to get our answer, um, which would be 300,000. Am I wrong? No, that's, that's correct. 300,000 is my answer. 300,000 egg clusters worth, well, I mean, yeah, if, if, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, don't, I can't, I can't, I can't do the mental gymnastics required to reconcile these you two You said things. how many? I said th- 30 million, but th- and- 30 million birds in the largest gathering and that, that would mean that it's 300,000 egg clutches. The correct answer is not 300,000. It's 35 million. Oh my goodness. So it's it is over a billion. The flock was estimated to be 3.5 billion members strong. Oh my goodness. There are still um and they calculated this by like determining the approximate like square footage of how many how many birds were in a square foot of this column and then multiplying that by you know, the entire area of the column yeah you need a, you need the height of the column too yeah i i can i i it would take a much smarter person than me to figure out how many birds were in a flock that size um wow. but there there are there are flocks in the millions in Africa of a specific type of bird. I forget what it's called, but like they say that when it's flying overhead, it sounds like a roaring, like it's, and it takes hours to pass by. That's crazy. That's what an event. That is a lot of poop to be. If if they all just decided to go at the same time, you would die. Probably (laughs) die of poop. (laughs) That's happened to divers and whales. Did you know that? Really? Have whales yeah. pooped and then... Pooped on a diver and it's just like in a thick cloud. Oh, They don't die though, right? No, no, no. Oh, no. It's just the worst situation possible. That would be the worst way to die it's, though. There are worse things than death that can happen to a man. <laughs> except, that might not be one of them, but there are. Except to have that be the way that you die. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing worse yeah. than that is, is dying because of it. Uh, that's all I got for the uh, measure up. Do you have any fast facts before we get into the major fact? I do. Just one because the rest of it is major. Um, they live, or the, just two because I want to say where they live. They live uh, on trees in the tropical and subtropical zones of southern North America and northern South America. So all around the equator. Um, it, because if the temperature ever drops below zero, nine, up to 90% of the population could die off in that area so Hmm. they're very sensitive to cold weather so you know what that means that means they live in florida yep in mexico and that means that once when i was a child i stepped on one and it hurt like the dickens really yep i felt like marv that's why it's on this list because i remember that it's on this list because you felt like marv one time (laughs) it felt like marv it felt like emily blunt in uh oh my place oh oh both of those are hard to watch, but the Emily Blunt one is 
obviously not played off for laughs. <laughs> I don't think I put my, like I stepped on it, but like the pain made me like not put my full weight down. So I, I, I but I did lift up my foot and there was a bug stuck in it. Oof. Nah. Put on shoes. It, yeah. Put on, <laughs> I was at the pool. At the pool. Oh, it was on oh. the side. It was on the side of a pool. Yeah. I, I want to say I've seen these, but maybe I'm just, I, I had to have seen these. I've spent I've so much time in, in the outdoors as a boy scout in Florida. I had to have seen them. They're easy to miss if they're like in their little broods. Yeah. Because then they're just look like thorns. On a tree and they look like thorns. Yeah. But yeah, and they live in uh, Central America and kind of the uh, Colombia, Venezuela, North Brazil area. Nice. Uh, because they like the tropics and they don't like it to be cold. And while they're sitting there on those trees and plants, they are ex- exclusively eating the sap. That's what they eat. It's the sap inside the, the plants that they hang out on. So they're kind of parasitic. And when I say kind of, I yeah. mean definitely. They're parasitic. Yeah. Um, but then is an animal like a cow that eats grass a parasite of grass? No, because the cow destroys the grass that it eats. The the um the thorn bug has a plant host that it feeds off of. Without. So it needs the thing to be alive. Yeah, it needs it needs the plant to continue to be alive in order to continue to continue eating from it. But obviously they can drain a plant dry and then move on to the next one. But like there are plants that are parasitic on other plants. Right. Very true. I just I when, I when I was doing the research they were calling them host plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or trees or whatever. So So that means when you're hosting a party, you're hosting it for parasites. <laughs> party parasites. Uh, yeah. Unless it's a I, potluck in which there it's more of a symbiosis. I yeah, I Ayn Rand would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, let's open that let's open that can of worms. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the major fact. Okay, yes, let's do that. Instead of Ayn Rand, let's not... Okay. Let's just Good let's idea. do the major fact. The thorn bug is an attentive mom, and unlike some other bugs, watches over her brood in the nymph stage. Mothers will find an ideal host plant to lay her eggs in, um, and she does this by carving out a groove in the stem of the plant and depositing eggs inside it. Mm-hmm. Go on. Ma- <laughs> Moms may even sit on eggs like a chicken in order to protect them from would-be predators. That's cute. Uh, when eggs hatch, mothers will continue to protect the clutch uh, of nymphs until they're big enough to strike out on their own. Every time a predator approaches, it's a gamble, though. Should the mother maintain the illusion that she's just a thorn, or should she attack and ward off the potential danger and risk, you know, not coming back the the gamble is fairly high if the mother breaks the illusion and fails to fight off the predator the clutch survival rate drops from 53 percent to 27 percent so in order to maximize the intel about the potential threat the nymphs will help by scanning the area when they perceive a threat they send out a, a chemical signal to the mother but the mom won't attack Unless all the nymphs send out a chemical report in this at the same time, or as close to unison as possible. 
Um, when one sends out a signal, the next either immediately responds by listening or by lighting the beacons of Gondor or ignoring it. So the brood essentially decides whether or not the mother should be deployed. It's like a, it's a, it's a, what is it? It's a, it's like a Republic. It's like a, it's like a pirate ship. Everyone decides it's a group vote. Yeah. A congregational but it, it, vote. It's a pirate ship with an oddly democratic system of doing things. It's a pirate ship with a appropriately democratic system of doing things. Pirates historically, at least in the, you know, the days of the East India trading company or no, is that right? What's yeah. What's that's, the, that's, uh, that's a company that was dealing with pirates. The, the, the pirates of the Caribbean days, pirate ships were Democrats, democratic. The captain didn't have ultimate say. The captain only had ultimate say during battles. Huh. During, I, like, uh, ship battles. I, and the quartermaster I, allocated all... all um, rations? Rations. It was like a socialist dem- democracy. Interesting. I always thought that the captain, whatever the captain said, goes. And then they... Kind of Divide socialist. up the booty. Any, anyone who went on a raid got an equal amount of... Sh- of cash and i think the the quartermaster and the captain got a little higher pay but like based on their position it's it's very organized well the reason career criminals this is the biggest tension in the world because it is organized the the reason was because piracy was like kind of a countercultural to like the the militaristic ships that were in these trading companies that were like the captain was like very powerful and you know you he would work you like a dog so then they're like you know what i'm gonna start my own ship with democracy and loot you know (laughs) instead of bender reference yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but absolutely in fact forget the democracy (laughs) but uh, yeah absolutely wow that's a but I did learn something new about pirates, which is good. It's always good when you learn something new about pirates. It is. What uh, were we talking about? Uh, clutches. Oh, oh yeah. So, so the brood essentially decides whether or not the mother should should be deployed based on the potential danger of the threat. The mother should be deployed. Uh, once the mother is dispatched and returns without being dispatched from this mortal coil, she decides. Uh, when the threat is over and calms the brood. Um, if she goes by the way of Bambi's mother, the brood may be adopted by a nearby thornbug mom. Hmm. How yeah. nice. That is that is unusually nice for an insect. It is. Except for the fact that through combining clutches, it lowers the survival rate <laughs> for for everyone. So, I mean, it's higher risk, higher reward, I guess. It's like... The bigger the group, the more likely that some will survive. It's what Captain America would do. We don't trade lives. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So large clusters can drain resources quickly. So much so that it could stunt the growth of an entire tree or even kill it outright. For that reason, very successful moms may produce many small thorn bugs because resources are stretched thin. The bugs don't grow up to be as big and strong as they could have been if there were only a few of them. 
So small females may still have the chops to reproduce successfully, like their mother before them. They they don't need to be big to like to have a su- successful brood because the smaller bugs consume smaller resources. But small males struggle to compete for mates and food. So this has led to a disparity in the ratio between the sexes with more females than male thorn bugs. But because it's an advantage for females to be small and it's a disadvantage for uh, males to be small. And don't females only mate once? I read something uh, that they usually die after their brood is reared but some survive like a small like a 20 percent survive so it makes so i don't know if it they makes like made again I, I don't know it makes things like really competitive among the males because they can mate multiple times but there's just, each female can only mate once exactly so it's and so if you're always yeah. fighting and you're the smaller one you're never going to get to mate basically so it's tough being a male and if you're a thorn bug or a hyena, specifically difficult being a male. For humans, I think there are more men than women. I thought it was the other way. No. Really? I think there are more. No, the, yeah, there's more women than men. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, I said, I was saying, but for humans. And then I said the exact same thing as the case for the thorn bugs. No, you're right. More women than men. And that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's crazy. It's 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 crazy that like they all need the, there needs to be like this unanimous decision on all of the nymphs' part in order to activate the 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 mothership. I think it's it it has to do with like I don't know. This is me conjecting, but if like say a bird flies by in the distance and one of the <clears throat> the nymphs notices it and the others don't and it lights the the fires of gondor and the others are like i don't i don't see anything but if it's like right up on the branch then all of them will be like there's a threat so the severity of the threat or the likelihood that it will be a threat determines how many nymphs notice it or you know respond to one of the nymphs taking the initiative it's like when a bunch of the five-star generals all have keys to the nuke and you got to get them all you have to have you have to go back to the pirate analogy you have to have all the pieces of eight from all the pirate lords in order to activate calypso (laughs) this isn't even a nautical animal why is this such a pirate themed episode (laughs) because pirates are the coolest organized criminals in history (laughs) are they they might be sure that and the mafia um but the my question is okay so like i mean there there are other predators like wasps and things like that so it it doesn't really work against birds because there really isn't that much that a thorn bug could do to a bird but like to a wasp a couple of thorn bugs could probably chase it off yeah but then the, i also read something about the false alarms where like Sometimes one would get all uh, jazzed about something that wasn't really like a, a like a, a, sh- a leaf that had fallen, and uh, every get everybody excited. 
<clears throat> and then the mother would fly off and then come back and be like, that was just a leaf, you morons. And then they'd be like, oh, okay. And then she'd teach them to better distinguish between leaves and actual threats. How does she teach them? Using the chemicals. She, oh, wow. She'd be like that. Well, she like it's it's not as complicated as regular teaching. She would come back and be like that. Like, give the chemical signal for, like, that, I guess that wasn't an issue. Or not a, the, the not a threat. So there must be, like, a threat-detected chemical. There must be a threat-eliminated chemical, or all, the all-clear. And then there must be a not a threat chemical. Chemical communication is confounding. Yeah, it's chemically confounding. And that's your alliteration for the day. <laughs> All right. So that was the thorn bug. So for you out there in podcastia, stick to your branch. Keep an eye out for danger. And honor the chemically induced vibration signals from your brood mother like the thorn bug here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners. Thanks for listening to the end of the episode. For your loyalty, you get a shameless self-promotion from us. If you haven't already, leaving a review on your favorite podcast app can really help us grow. But telling your podcast-loving friends about us is even better. Also, don't forget to send in your measure-up intros and animal suggestions to ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. As always, thanks, most of all, for listening. podcast <laughs> That was good. Good good good.